So welcome to Minding My Own Mind. Here we are with another episode. And today I'm super excited for our guest. We have Evita Robinson or Turquoise Robinson from the Nomadness Tribe. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yes, so excited to have you here and so excited to talk about your evolution over time and who you've been and who you are becoming. So first I wanted you to just give, I know who you are, but I'd love for our listeners to find out from you. So who you are and who you define yourself as. Yeah, so I am Evita Turquoise Robinson. A lot of people affectionately call me Evie, especially those that know me through Nomadness. Um, and I'm the creator, founder, and member of the 32,000 plus community known as the tribe. Um, we have a focus for black and brown travelers. We have an annual festival that puts the spotlight on BIPOC travelers, our stories, our resources, our community leaders and influencers, um, really kind of shaking up and holding the tourism industry, particularly in the States, accountable for their diversity or lack thereof. Um, yeah, we have group trips. I myself am a storyteller. A lot of the work that I'm doing now is as a media host, a personality, but also a student going into different um, communities of color that aren't normally shown and promoted in tourism uh, marketing materials and going in and having conversations with, you know, the artists, the entrepreneurs, the activists, the, you know, the people that are really the heartbeat of a destination and doing more in-depth storytelling in that regard um, while bridging it with, you know, my love of travel and the work I do in the industry. And I know you talk about a lot about storytelling and that being your new chapter, but I wanted to first take it back to look at how you have changed over time. So you told me a little bit of your backstory, but could you give me the point from you were abroad and when you came back, what first got you into starting Nomadness and that time with your identity in that time period? Um, so I started No Madness in September 2011. What had kind of creeped up and was a part of my life prior to that was being a three-time expat. So I lived in Paris right after college in 2006. That was really where the travel bug started to like really show itself for me, um, as well as cross-cultural exchanges. You know, I was there with the New York Film Academy doing a filmmaking and TV workshop. So like a lot of the media, the TV, the storytelling, it's actually always been a part of my DNA. It's that I've leaned into it and had to lean out of it a little bit, you know, kind of like a seesaw over the last decade or so, just because of all it takes to run a business in a community. Um, and so there was living in Paris. Um, I lived in Thailand um, in 2010 after living for a year in Japan. And that time in Japan was when I came up with the idea for Nomadness. It started off as a vlog. It was just me kind of traveling around Japan, but also going to India, which is my backdrop right now. Shouts out to Jaipur. Um, <laughs> it's going to all of these places in the world as a backpacker with some of my friends, not understanding that that was going to be like laying down the foundation for what was going to be built with a company. Like I didn't know I was going to be building a company. I didn't know Nomadness was going to turn into what it was and what it is now. Like all of that stuff came from trial and error from answering yes to listening to the community um, and really just being like raw and idealistic and trying to figure out, okay, what is this? You know, I was freelancing in television when I started No Madness and the show that I was working on ended up getting pulled like two weeks before Christmas. 
and No Madness was about two months in, three months in. Uh, we had had one meetup that like 40 people had come out to about a couple weeks into it. And I was like, look, either you can rejoin this rat race in production and try to find the next show to attach yourself to, or you can give some breathing room to whatever the hell this is, give it a chance, see what happens and see where it takes you. And so that was kind of like the the crossroads that I was at when I created No Madness Travel Tribe as the community is known today. How old were you when you had that experience be the crossroads part? 27. I started Nomadis when I was 27. And what would you suggest to people who are at that crossroads part? How would you influence them? Because I've also had this moment in my life where I was like, okay, choose the thing that's best for me. What, what would you say to those people who are in that stage, but they're not sure how to go with certainty into it? You're never going to have certainty. Um, that's the thing. It's interesting that certain things happen at the age 27. So I'm into numerology, astrology, all that stuff. And if you're into numerology, you know that at age 21, you're entering 27, excuse me, you're entering your second pinnacle. Your first pinnacle of your lifespan is from one to 27 and then from 27 on. And so um, there's a lot of things that happen at the age of 27. It's also one of those ages where a lot of like famous people died. And it's like, you know, the Janis Joplin's and the Jimi Hendrix. Like there's something about the age 27 that a lot of shifts happen in people's lives. And I feel like they either rise to the occasion and kind of lean in or it can take people out. You know, it's, it's just a big transition in everybody's life numbers wise. With that being said, um, I... I am a risk taker. I am a curious child that I don't allow to die very conscientiously. And so there are risks that I know I take that other people or that I may have taken in a certain fashion that would probably scare the shit out of other people. And I get that. And and I have to, um, the way I like to recognize the spots where I have privilege, I also need to recognize the places where I have crazy and that crazy's worked for me. And that age bracket, and still to this day, there are moments where I have to tap into that crazy, black out everything else, and kind of just go first, make the movement, and then figure everything else out on the back end. And I think wanting to live a life that is, you know, curated, that is, you know, freedom forward, it was just a time in my life where all I had to worry about was me and like my cat, you know? And I wasn't so deep rooted into a career and all these other things that I felt like it was going to be this like daunting, life changing task. And also on the on the other side of that, you have to realize, like, I created no madness on the back end of the first three years of backpacking around the world by myself. Like, low key, you couldn't tell me I couldn't do shit at that time because I just I just felt like and it wasn't ego. It was just like, yo, I've literally dropped myself alone in some of the craziest circumstances like the first time I ever went to Asia to visit I moved to Japan like it's just like why so extra like you know what I'm saying like why so fucking dramatic like but it's it's that's the way that I've lived my life even you know at that age you know 11 years ago I'm 38 now and so I think what it is is and this is something that I tell people all the time is like you have to put the fear in your back pocket long enough to do the thing and for travelers, it's to get on the plane because you'd be surprised how your mind, body, soul, intuition, work ethic, you know, passion, all of that rises to the occasion. But you need to put it into a circumstance and a situation 
that you have to agitate those parts of yourself for them to rise to their occasion. It's like a flu shot. Give yourself a little bit of the flu, agitate the antibodies and let your body, you know, create what you need going forward. I feel like we have to agitate certain parts and get out of the comfort zone. And I recommend doing it earlier in life because there's just less responsibilities depending on what your life path looks like. Um, you got to agitate shit every once in a while and and allow the circumstance to teach you, to grow you, to learn you, to break you, to build you. You have to give it the space and the opportunity to do that. And I think way too many people, they, they're scared and I get it, but they live life in a comfort zone where they don't agitate themselves enough. They don't agitate the circumstances enough. And so they don't actually know what they're capable of. Absolutely. I agree with everything you said there. It's like when people talk about how at the end of the year, you're able to meet all your goals within one month, but you had the entire year to do it, but you needed some kind of pressure and pressure is not yeah. always bad. Pressure can be a good thing. And putting yourself on the plane, putting yourself in those other situations, people wonder why travelers have so much confidence, but it was the confidence that you could take a risk and survive it. So putting yourself into these yeah. situations constantly help you. But it's the experience, right? Because we're scared too. You know, I'm scared shit almost daily, but it's because of how I live my life. There's there's experiences that scare me, but it's like, hey, I'm going to do it anyway. There's also emails that scare me that I'm like, am I really about to like send this? Am I about to say this? Because I know what this one action, as simple as it being an email, I know what the dominoes, how the dominoes fall once that gets going, right? So it's just being an entrepreneur, it's problem solving on the fly all damn day, every day, you know? So there's just, there's you, you build, it's a muscle, you know, it's a muscle. You have to work the muscle, you know, muscles grow by breaking the fibers and having them rebuild. It's like, you've got to look at your life and who you are and your gumption and your audacity, you know, look at it like a muscle that you have to work out. Yeah. I absolutely love that you said that we still get scared because I think people often observe and they go, wow, you're so brave. You're so this. It's like, no, I'm just, I know that it's worth the risk. I know that this is the only way I can get what I want. And I know that I'm still getting scared, but I know that I've gotten through it every other time. And I would, yeah, so the life that's going to leave me back there scaled for the rest of my yeah. life. And there's lessons attached to all of it. You know, there's lessons like I'm in a, I'm in a scary area right now with some stuff that's very real, but also like, you know, transitions that are coming. It's just, it, it's a state of, you just don't want analysis paralysis and you don't want the fear to just like freeze you. You know, it's okay to walk into it scared. Um, most people do, and we're all just trying to figure it out, you know? So I think that that's what it is, is having a little bit of grace with yourself, but also not using that grace as an excuse to be like, well, I'm not gonna, no, 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 no. Like do the thing and understand that like fear is a part of the program. You know, it's just, it's, it's a part of the, it's a part of the journey and it does go away. It fades. It's going to come back in a different form, but what you, your threshold is going to grow. That's really what it is. You know, your threshold is going to grow. The things that freaked me out that I was having a panic attack or something for 11 years ago. I'm like, look, <laughs> no, I'm like, that's a cake work. You know, that's a cake walk compared to the stuff that scares me now, you know? So that's really how I look at it. Yeah. Usually your thoughts about the action are way worse than the actual thing happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only really a failure if you choose not to learn the lesson is the way that I see it. It's not a failure, but it's, it's not a success. It's not the other way around. 
But I wanted to talk a bit more about your times throughout growing New Madness. How did you feel your identity went from being a traveler to now needing to stand in this businesswoman role? It's funny because the term entrepreneur doesn't have the shininess to me that it used to anymore. And I was like a staunch, like boss bitch, like, you know what I'm saying? Like that was like, that was like my thing. I love this moniker of like being an entrepreneur and a business owner and this, that, and the other. And it just, I've changed, I've evolved, I've grown. Um, and that title in particular just doesn't hold what it used to hold for me anymore. And it's not just with myself, it's also with other entrepreneurs that I see like, and because of how I came up in the game and like the way that I've lived my life and grown the business, I'm surrounded by entrepreneurs, you know what I'm saying? Surrounded and and I love it. And, you know, there's so much motivation and all of those things. There's just frankly things I'm just tired of doing as an entrepreneur. And the truth is I started this as a creative. You know, I'm one of those people, I went to school for something that I loved. I didn't go to school for business. I went to school for mass communications, television and video production, minored in fine art. A lot of people are so into like, she built this, they see me execute, I'm good at business, but they don't know my full story, you know, and the fact that I'm like a creative that just so happened to turn into like almost an accidental entrepreneur because I'm really excellent at community. I think I'm okay at business. I think what I'm excellent at is people, community building, and relationships and storytelling. Like that's where I'm excellent at. And I think a lot of great business people may be assholes. And so they forget the people part. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just, I'm excellent at like a, a number of subsets that go into it that directly affect and influence my business because my business is community service-based. You know, it's not like a product. So yeah. um, I think that that's, that's like a, a big part of it for me, um, for me as well. What was the most difficult times you had, or can you give me a difficult instance where you had to deal with your identity as a creative and how it was conflicting with the need to also be this businesswoman entrepreneur? I don't think I have one particular instance. I think that it's an ongoing facing that I have to have. And at some point you just got to like, you got to make a choice. Now, what's interesting is, and I did this very strategically because I knew coming into it, I didn't want the creative to die. And the, the entrepreneurship stuff was like really fun in the beginning because that was a new avenue for me. I love newness. It's like the Aries in me. I don't want to get bored. I want to like try stuff out. And so it was invigorating like for a very long time. Like I'm talking years and years and years of building out no madness. Like the entrepreneurship piece like was like bomb. I was like, okay, I'm learning. But also like, this is cool. This is different. I like competition. So that was like a piece of it that you really, really get from business. I think it's just, I got to a certain point in my life, a certain age where my priorities are shifting and that's not what I want to focus on solely. I've also lived enough and gone to so many places and seen so many people that the people in a different way, like they've always been the priority. Even in my business, the community has been the priority, you know? And so I now just want to serve in a different way. But I think that conflict is, has always been there. And what I've done in, and I think I've done a fairly good job at it is been able to bridge both sides, you know? So like what that looks like now, now that I'm a, a figurehead and somebody who like asserts what they want and all of these things in the industry, it's like when we're pitching 
a destination, you know, um, mm -hmm. a tourism board, a CVB on what the work is that we do, what are ways that they can bridge with nomadness. Yes, it can be the group trips. It can be our data research, like a lot of the businessy things. But also, and ironically, what's been hitting the most is we have these media packages in which I come in as a host and I'm actually going into the communities, like I said before, and showcasing them in a way that we have in-depth, more personalized type storytelling. And, and I love it because what's been happening is like we'll get clients that'll want a little bit of both, you know, mm -hmm. so I'm able to kind of like go in, play in both spaces. Or we have clients, which I always love, where they're just like, we want you. Like, we want you to come in. We want you to have these stories because nobody's taking up space in this manner and going this in depth. We're making like 15, 20 minute mini docs mm -hmm. about these neighborhoods of color around the world. I just got back from three weeks in Africa. The second half of that, I was in Rwanda. That was a contract that we got in December. By January 3rd, I was in Rwanda and we were shooting. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it can happen fast. And, and I think that's why my, I was talking about this on Instagram yesterday, how my revamp of my website was so important to me as a project at the end of 2022, because I said, I need my visual representation to be so crystal clear on who I am, what I represent, what I want to do, the space I'm trying to take up, all of this stuff, so that if this person never speaks to me ever, they can go to avitarobinson.com and see all of it and understand, okay, I know exactly what I'm getting if I reach out to this woman. So let me make sure my ducks are in a row before that happens. Mm -hmm. And I just think it was so, and now, you know, people are starting to see the content that I dropped from Rwanda, but they don't understand. I have almost five months worth of like beautifully crafted, highly produced content from all the places I traveled to last year that are now about to be hit on a drip. I'm like, I want all spaces online that have my name attached to it for people to see it. It's like a, a, a visual hosting media resume. Like yeah. no matter what day you go there, you can click on any of these and it's like, oh, this is consistent. Like she understands who she is, why she's here and what type of story she's trying to amplify. And so that became really, really, really important to me as well. Cause you gotta be clear, you have to. Yeah. I was just about to say, it's so amazing how much clarity in yourself you clearly have and how important that is and how people don't take that into account when developing who they want to be, their goals, their lives. And you're sitting here saying like, the more clear I am, the more clear people are on who I am, we yeah. can understand what's going to be presented. So what right. would you say is something very important for people to understand when it comes to getting clarity on yourself? I mean, figuring out what your value system is, right? How far are you willing to go? What do you want this to look like? I think too many times we hand over control of our story, our life story, our life path to like whatever the circumstances are that keep coming at us and don't understand that we actually are the captains of the ship. Like we have, we can set the intention, match with the actions to really curate what this looks like. So I have like, you can't see it behind me, but in my office, it's like, I have a ton of whiteboards. I'm a writer. I have my remarkable digital notebook. I'm constantly assessing what's going on in my brain, journaling it, what feels good, what doesn't. I'm obsessed with post-its. When I get into brainstorm mode, they're all over the house. It's like really understanding um, what this looks like. And then 
starting at that bigger vision and working the action items and the steps backwards to be like, okay, so what does it take to get there? Right. And there looks like a lot of stuff. It looks like a job. It looks like an amount of money for some people. It looks like a life construct. It, it looks like all of these things, but whatever it is for you, it's really figuring out what you're like, your mantra is for this season in your life because it does change and that's fine too. What is your mantra? What are the values that are associated to it? But what is what is the thing? What are the things that you're trying to do? Start there and work your way backwards with the action items that you need to check off to get to that goal and just start doing it. Start doing it. What would you say looking at your values and where you're wanting to go and where you've been what would you say the biggest change in your values and your desires from your um, past to the future now that you're stepping more into this storytelling zone? I would say the biggest changes for me are just our creativity and motherhood. Um, you know, wanting to become a mom and having that be at the forefront, going about it in a non-traditional sense um, and and just owning that part of my story too. And that's what I'm saying, like, looking at it, it's like, okay, you're 38, you're not in a relationship. This is what your blood work looks like. Now fucking what? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are you going to do? And having that conversation with myself as to like, okay, this may not have been what you pictured, but what do you picture now that you're sitting in the reality space of it all, right? And then I curate it out literally. And with my therapist, she was like, okay, give us some scenarios. If not A, then B. If not B, then C. Like, what do they look like? you know, and what are the steps to go forward and and charting out a roadmap that looks like that. And then the creativity is really just like, one of the goals that I had last year was very simple. I said, I wanted my creative endeavors to start matching my, um, the depth and frequency of my business endeavors and meetings on my actual schedule. Like literally on my schedule. Cause what do they say? Like, I wanna see what, what is important to a person, you know, look at their schedule. And and it's all business. It's all like the nitty gritty of no madness. And one of the simple things that I just said, I didn't put a whole bunch of pressure on myself. I was just like, I want more creativity as a part of my to-do list so that we can start to even this situation out and ultimately get to the point where the creative endeavors become the primary income stream, how my life is, you know, how my life is paid for but also like what starts taking up the majority of my time as I transition out of this like hyper business entrepreneurial focus and really lean into the creative that I am and always have been. And so it's been interesting to see that take place. And like I said, being strategic about it, I'm going to a lot of the same clients that I've always had, you know, for the nomadness stuff. It's just, I'm sprinkling in creative offerings and seeing if they bite. And luckily they're biting hard mm -hmm. and it's a lot of them. So you know what I'm saying? So it's cool to see that come to come to fruition. Mm -hmm. What would you say over time that's been the hardest shift in identity or hardest form of self-care that you had to go through? So talking about real self-care, not just like spa days, but talking about like doing the inner work, doing the deep things. What would you say was one of the harder things that you had to come to realize in order to get to where you are now? Um, I fired everybody in 2017. I did a clean sweep of my entire team because I realized that the way it was set up, the skill sets that we actually needed to move forward, um, that we just weren't in the position for that. And even just like 
the prices that we, we were like damn near giving our trips away for free. Like it just wasn't a sustainable model at all. And I, um, and it was painful because I have relationships and I care about people. And these are like people at that point, Nomadis was about five years old. Now we're 11, um, about five years in. And it was like with friends, like people that I had started to build this thing out with. And I think what was the biggest, most eye-opening piece of that is that the first person I had to fire was myself. I had to fire the previous version of CEO that was Evita because the problem started with me. I let too much shit go for too long, didn't nip it in the bud, was more concerned with relationships and what it looked like and came across and hurting people's feelings than what was actually beneficial for the business and made sense. Um, and it got us into a rut and I'll never forget it. It was the most money I had ever gotten paid for a keynote up until that point in time. I was so proud of myself and a keynote is a very singular thing, right? It's a very personal thing. I'm up on stage. My team isn't up on stage with me. No madness ain't up on stage with me. It's a very intense, intensely personal thing to execute a keynote and to get paid that much money for something that I solely have put my blood, sweat, tears, anxieties, all of that stuff in, in front of 1600 people on a stage to get that check and to know that every single set was already accounted for just like broke me in half. I couldn't even feel it at all. It was done. It was all accounted for. And it was that circumstance that let me know, like, this is not working, <laughs> like yeah. not working. And there's a lot of cleanup that's going to have to happen for that's going to take years for it to work. But this is not working, you know, and and so I had to fire the previous version of myself that allowed it to be what it was for so long, you know, and then I did a clean sweep of everybody because it just became clearer to do it that way. And it wasn't personal at all. It was all business moves. You know, to this day, I, I adore these people and respect them and are very grateful for the work they put in the first couple of years of No Madness. Um, but it just, it had to happen. And that was one of the biggest, most painful self-care moments was really like, when you have to fire yourself, it's, um, that's a different type of conversation. Mm -hmm. And looking back at lessons like that, what will you, what's the most important thing that you'll take with you into this next chapter? I mean, with that in particular, it was just the importance of team building and like who you have on your team, getting rid of um, people that need to get, to get gone faster, you know, really leaning in, nurturing um, the people that do show up and that are, you know, awesome and really bring value. Um, but I mean, that was all wrapped around the importance of team building because you can't do it yourself. And I was a very do it myself in the beginning as well. That was part of the problem. And you um, you can't. And I think you also just get to a point and you get to an age where you're just like, I'm tired. I don't want to do all this shit by myself. And so you have to be more more um, conscientious and more conscious and intentional about who you bring on um, on your teams. Mm -hmm. And looking at this next chapter as you're transitioning, what are you most excited about and looking forward to that's new? Just the creativity, um, like literally just the storytelling. I am, you know, two, you know, two feet in on just kind of like exploring places that I've never been to, talking to people, you know, in communities that I haven't, you know, 
when I get done talking to you, I have to lay some voiceover tracks down for, you know, the two weeks that I had last summer in Alaska, speaking with indigenous Alaskans and, you know, black Alaskans. It's like I'm in, I'm going to places that I never that I never imagined and for a long time weren't even on my radar. But it's the people that I'm meeting there that really give the place the color, you know, like in some instances, if I didn't meet the people I did, I may never go back to the destination. But now there's such formative relationships and such in-depth. I explore pieces of them, but through that, I'm also really getting into like the depths of myself and, um, you know, and life and what it looks like and the variance of all of our experiences, but also the ways that we're similar. You know, I just, I, it's the humanness that I love and that I don't think we see enough. And so like the humanness is is my priority. Looking at the expansion of the your creativeness and of the communities and of the way that madness is set up, what would your biggest desire for people to get from the work you've done? What would you want that to be? What would your legacy be? I mean, I think my legacy really is community. You know, it's it's the power of bringing people together, the power of meeting people where they are. Um, listening to them where they are, the power of cross-cultural exchange, what comes from those conversations, the the power of leaning into the humanness that we all have and, you know, and understanding that it's okay after hearing these stories to love some folks from afar. You know, it's okay to lean into some people that you never thought you would ever lean into, just allowing life and community and storytelling to kind of just like become a roadmap on how we interact and how you also end up interacting with yourself. Mm -hmm. And just a curious question, listening to that as well, what would you say manifesting 10 years from now, 48, what does your life look like? Oh, I don't know. I'm bad with that. Even doing like three year plans, like I tell people like five year plans, I'm like, I can't. Because you know what it is? No particular I'm, plan, but just yeah, an idea. Because I don't like I'm so action oriented. If I can't do something that affects it like today, it's hard for me to see. But I think, I mean, 10 years from now, 38, I mean, 48, um, I see myself as a mother for sure. I see myself in a beautiful, beautiful relationship that's curated by me and a partner. Um, I see my television series haven't taken off. I see myself as a producer um, of other people's projects and being able to come on and kind of give my give my spark as an EP or, you know, even a consulting producer. But I see my shows and my series um, taken off. I think by then my scripted series will be out as well as I'll probably will have gotten back on screen. Um, I see that definitely happening. I'll be on probably my second or third book by then mm -hmm. um, over 10 years. I'm writing my first book proposal right now. Um, so I just see myself really immersed. I see, you know, property in South Africa. I see property in LA. I see me having a home on the East coast always where I am now. Like I just, I see all of it, but I think it's, it's going to be more, I'm, I'm gunning for Hollywood. Um, and I'm gunning for Hollywood in the writer and producer capacity and taking these stories that I literally have from over 40 countries and now, you know, putting those experiences to work. Mm -hmm. Knowing that 
everything shapes us and especially travel really, really shapes us. Can you give a distinct story off the top of your head that has really shaped you and made you leave a part of you behind and evolve into who you are now? I mean, there's a million. It's, you know, going to Asia for the first time, moving to Japan and not knowing anything and, you know, going through the panic attacks that I had in my neighborhood and understanding that, like, you know, you can either run from this or you can lean in and be there for the full year. It's, you know, going to India for the first time and seeing Holy Festival of Colors and now, you know, 10 years, up to 11 years after that first trip, you know, me being able to go back now and still get messages from India of people telling me happy Diwali and happy Holy and me seeing their children grow up and like literally they're like teenagers and stuff now. It's like crazy, you know, going to South Africa and building the relationships that I have so much and so deep you know, now with people that are like family and watching Nomadness members, so many of them move from the States to South Africa as well. And understanding the love that they have for that country, it like really mirrors what I had when I first went. There's just, there's, there's so many, you know, the Panama accident that happened with our members in 2015 was the most gut-wrenching experience I've ever been through in my life. It was just raw, unadulterated tragedy. And, you know, to have to go to the funerals of my members, to be in Panama going in and out of hospitals looking for people and looking for bodies and, you know, just, you know, having to work with the embassy to deal with this tragic incident that affected 12 families in my group. And also to see the Nomadness group crowdfund over $60,000 in four days to pay for everybody's medical bills and flights and get people out of the country and set up when they get back to the states like it's just I've been through a lot with this community and with these people and I've shown up in ways that I just feel like a lot of people it it, it you got to be a certain type of individual to show up in some of the ways that I have for them and so the the idea of shedding skin and stories in which I had to like rise to the occasion and I was different afterwards like when it comes to nomadness they're fucking endless what would you hope for no madness and the tribe for the future it's interesting because i don't know the form that no madness is going to grow into i don't have the full vision for that because we're also dealing with platforms that we don't own like facebook you know what i'm saying it's like it's going to be it's like facebook is what 11 years or something no like i don't even know how many years old now and it's like to know, it's also asking me like, well, what do you see for like the Facebook platform in 10 years? I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be around in the same capacity that we are and in the same space that we are just given the landscape of tech. Um, so I don't know. What I wish is that the relationships are just as plentiful as they are now. They are just as potent as they are now. And that no matter who is at the realm, be it me or somebody else, that the community and what's been built in the history is honored um, in, in a way that is true to who we are and, and what we need. But the real, honest, unadulterated truth is I don't know what no madness looks like in 10 years. I have absolutely no clue. And there's a lot of factors that go into that answer. Mm-hmm. And just because I'm also curious, and I know you're really into spirituality, how has your spirituality evolved over time with all of your travels and your business? 
I think I've all I've always been spiritual and less um religious. So it's been consistent. I think I've picked up certain practices depending on where I lived, especially in Asia. But I it's been pretty consistent. It it has. Like even from a young in, it's like I would pull tarot cards or I would do meditations or I would read certain books. Like it it's again, I think the word for me is curation. You know, like even my spirituality is something that is curated for my lifestyle that speaks to me. And, you know, luckily, I think that's been actually pretty consistent and pretty grounding in my life. I haven't had any big, like, epic changes with spirituality. It's been pretty streamlined. Mm -hmm. And how about your self-care over time? Um, I mean, self-care has probably, it's gotten more in-depth. Um, Because it's had to, you know, life asks more of me. And so I have to pour into myself more. But um, self-care has always been a a priority. Like I've been in some form of therapy since middle school. You know, like I was like the ringleader of what we called group and had all my friends once a month get out of class with passes. And, you know, we thought it was like girl talk. But when I look back in retrospect, like we were in therapy in middle school and I was like the ringleader of it. And so for me to have that type of bedrock and foundation for self-care I I know I'm ahead of the curve in a lot of ways um, because it's been a priority for that long you know my therapist that I have now she was my counselor in college you know um, when I was going through anxiety you know and panic attacks for the first time so you know I think therapy journaling has always been in my life I've always been a writer it's one of my talents I've been journaling I literally have the physical journals of my life since 10th grade um, you know, it's just like, yeah, there's, there's practices. I'm, I'm lucky. I'm lucky in that I was, all, I was a deep kid. Like I was a deep introspective trying to figure out the mysticism of the world. What does this mean? Inquisitive. I was a deep kid. And what that did is it allowed me to explore self in a way that I think a lot of people don't until they're older, if they ever do at all. And so a lot of the things that have guided me and helped me and aided me on the road of what, you know, this life has looked like and all it's asked of me, I kind of created those systems younger and um, and I'm glad because I needed them along the way. Mm-hmm. And one last question. What is something that you preach, but you still find it hard to practice yourself? Um, self-worth. Yeah, self-worth. Understanding that you're worthy in all facets of yourself, even when you're not at your best. Um, yeah, self-worth is is it's one that comes back around. Like I'll get a grasp on it and then something will happen and I'm like, shit, here we are again. And so yeah, self-worth is a is kind of like a cycle for me. Good, good. Well, thank you so much for your time. And is there any one last thing you want to tell our listeners? No, I think that's it. You know, for anybody who's interested in more on the tribe, they can go to nomadnesstraveltribe.com. Um, with me, I'm at Evie Robbie on social media and evitarobinson.com online. And, you know, yeah, just it's it's about the just the community and the storytelling and just reminding everybody to, like, remember your humanness. Mm-hmm. Thank you so, so, so much for being here today. It has been a wonderful evening. And I will talk to you all soon. Everyone, I will leave all the information in the show notes and have a wonderful week. Thanks.